Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 92 of the Coach Fury Podcast. I want to start this one out by just sending some love to those of you and my friends, my peers, loved ones that are in cities, states, countries, towns that are experiencing new shutdowns and lockdowns and uh, rollbacks in terms of mandates. You know, I don't, I had a pretty pessimistic look when we closed down about how long this would take and I had no idea it was going to be this way. Um, and I just wishing you love and support to stay the course through this. I know sometimes the decisions to close at this point um, are actually, they're not the failures, they're actually the smart decisions. But I also hope that, you know, whatever comes out of this, somehow we rebuild and turn into a brighter thing, a newer thing, maybe something long term we're more happy about. But I, it is not lost on me that successful businesses of all types are closing for good because of this. Um, and it sucks. You know, so I'm just wishing you uh, love and support and safety and health through all of this uh, for those and everyone around you that's connected by this. So speaking of which, Massachusetts, our current guest or this episode's guest uh, owns a gym in Massachusetts. That's Julian Cardus of Rebirth Transformation Center. Uh, Julian's a good dude. We uh, became Facebook buddies. We like randomly met at a Perform Better and it just sort of stayed tight since then. And, you know, I keep mentioning these bright spots of people that we've uh, reached out with and checked in on and whatnot during the course of the shutdown. And uh, Julian's one of them. Uh, great guy. This is an interesting podcast, only if this was the first time where we played Is This Gonna Be a Podcast? So one of the weirdest things about this show is, you know, it's, I'm often talking to people that I haven't really had a good long conversation with in a while, sometimes ever. And, you know, you just have that mutual appreciation and affection for and when you haven't spoken in a while, it's like, hey, you want to like catch up and maybe it should be an episode. So this conversation was not destined for podcast land. Uh, we decided we would just hang out, record it and see if it was a show. And I think it's an important one. Julian's a great guy. Um, and we talk about, you know, the stresses, success, uh, successes and struggles of owning a gym in the pandemic land and missing hardcore shows. And with that... Uh, give it a listen. Please rate and review. If you want to drop a little change, a buck or two per episode, you can go to patreon.com slash Coach Fury Podcast. Patreon is spent, P spelt <laughs> P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Coach Fury Podcast to donate something. Every little bit helps. Uh, but I'm just glad you're here listening with me in your head right now. And thank you. And I hope you're getting something out of the show. Um, it feels really good to be back, and uh, I'm great. I'm grateful for this show as an outlet to sort of express my thoughts and rethink my thoughts and bounce them off other people, and to uh, talk to my friends. So there it is. I'm going to shut up now. Here you go. All right. So we all just took the Vi the Pfizer vaccine. Concerts are back. No fear of the virus. What's the first show you want to go to? A an actual touring band, not anybody dead. So this year was, I was going to the Furnace Fest in, in Alabama, uh, where it was like Poison the Well was going to be on there from Autumn to Ashes. We're doing their reunion and just like any metal band that you could think of uh, really was the only reason that would ever bring me to Alabama. 
<laughs> that I could I could foresee. Um, I was so pumped about that, man. I uh, even Tina, I was trying to get her to come down with me, and uh, and she said it was like her wedding anniversary that that we was it was in September. So I would have gone back a couple months and just done that one over. I'm surprised that she still didn't go and bring Tim with her. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. We had, it's really sad when you realize in the duration how many shows we had tickets for that have been canceled. And only Same. a couple I, of I them loaded this year. Only a couple of them pushed. I have to say that Pee Wee was supposed to do a thing at King's yes. Theater. Yes. And that is the hardest one in some ways could have been like, I guess, if you were to think of a show, at least a safer environment because you're not moshing or anything. But uh, for me. Can, we can, we stop? can I interrupt you? Can we just please. have a discussion about the brilliance of Pee-wee's Big Adventure and how much it holds up. Oh, dude, it's still Tim Burton's best film. It's, Unbelievable. Yeah, and, and I'm not gonna lie, I quite love that Netflix film he put out. Uh, I, who's, who didn't? I, I don't know, I kind I of- really I enjoyed it. I feel like it, people slept on it a little bit, and I guess that's part of the problem with Netflix, right? Something's big for a week and then it disappears, but like, I'm still like, there's a new-ish a new -ish now Pee-wee yeah. movie out there. And the more I learn about Joe Mangiello, the more I want to meet that dude and give him a hug because he is a legit geek. Oh, he's a stud. He's a stud. He's I mean, but he's great. like, he's deep in the D&D &D game, like oh. no one's business. Like, I did not know that. Yeah, it's really weird. It's cool. Um, we, the, the last New York Comic Con, yeah. which again, <laughs> when the fuck is that going to happen again? Yeah. We were walking by a booth and it was a t-shirt company or a clothing company and I didn't know it at the time. I'm forgetting the name of it, folks. Like, you can look it up. But I, I guess Joe Mangiello is, like, one of, the, one of the partners in it. But he was there with Paul Rubens. And uh, so I didn't get to meet him per se, but I was, like, I don't know, two feet from him with a mile direction because it was Paul yeah. Rubens. Like, yes, yeah, not. So the Pee Wee thing was the biggest one. And then I know Kim was really looking forward to the Luna Chicks. Yep. And, but the thing that goes through my head – so I, I'll go, my name is Fury. And if I had to go to a show, I, I want to see the Bronx again because – the Bronx or the band, when I think of how are we going to do this again, Yeah. every Bronx show, I'm in the pit. The yep. singer's always in the pit. At some point, I'm arms around him and like 40 other men and women, and we're screaming in the mic. It's like you couldn't pick a worse COVID-like yep. scenario. <laughs> and But from a, my soul, even as a, I'm now 48 on this episode, um, my soul just, that's a part of who I am, having that mutual communal moment with, you know, it's like, we can, again, we're coming off listeners. If this ends up being a podcast, Julie and I decided we're going to have a chat, we're going to record it, and maybe it's an episode. So if you're hearing it, hooray, it was an episode. If you're not, hooray, Julian and I got to catch up. <laughs> but take all this political stuff aside, it is now November 9th, so we know that Biden has won. You can talk about the recounts and everything, but look, it's, it's, there's shenanigans, I'm sure, on both sides. And either one side did a way better job or actually won. So, like, we're going to claim that for now. Uh, you can unfollow or follow based on that statement. But uh, when, you're in a, when, when you're with a person and a group of people in a band with a shared love of the band, everything goes to the side. And it's literally the fucking pure emotion and the tribal moment of that. And uh, I, 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 I live for that. I mean, it's literally something that I can't get out. When people get pissy at me sometimes about like, uh, you know, look, folks, I'm like, a, I'm a Democrat because they fall closer, but I'm not like 
I don't think all Republicans, people are going to hate me saying this, all Republicans no. are not racist. They just have I'm, different priorities. I'm I can't, with you, buddy. I'm I can't always agree with those priorities, but it, it just, I just know some people that have helped a lot of people, including myself. Um, but when you love a band, yes. that shit doesn't matter. And we need to sort of like look at that a little bit. Now, I'm not saying like let everything that's wrong with the country go to the side. I don't think people that are being like, you know, need to suddenly become teachers of others or any of that. But like, when you have that thing or you're in a movie and people are laughing their ass off or screaming at the same time or crying together, that's where you realize where our hearts are actually lying up a lot of the times. Uh, so anyway, I would like to see the Bronx. I, I, I agree. And I think it's really important for us to remember that like we're humans first. And again, political affiliation aside, I think that especially in this climate, it's, it's been a full-time job for the past week or two, getting all of our clients to not talk politics in, in, in the studio um, and I'm pretty open about that. I'm a firm believer that we got here because we were always told growing up, don't talk politics, don't talk religion. And my feelings are, I want to learn from you. We don't need 7 billion Julians running around the world. We need checks and balances. Yeah. And I need people, I, I have my paradigm in which I see the world and I want to learn from you because we didn't grow up in the same place. Um, we didn't live in the same communities. We don't have the same socioeconomic backgrounds. So like we need to learn from each other and, um, so normally I'm like, have at it. As long as we're respectful, you guys can talk. This is a safe space. Everyone deserves to have fitness. And if it, there's a current event and we want to talk about it and we can be respectful, awesome. If we can't, I'm shutting it down real quick. And the past week or two has just been like, no, no. Hammers. <laughs> Dropping yeah, hammers. Not, not this week. And um, we don't no. have that issue here. I mean, I'll be honest, like pretty yeah. much where like, I would say, I mean, I, look, I, I know I have friends in trainer land um, and I have a few members that I've like, yeah. people that I've trained that are friends that I respect, but like our mem like our core membership day-to-day, yeah. -day, that's like one, one divide we don't have. And I think that's one of the reasons why people, you know, I, I, I don't go looking for like-minded political people. I go like-minded for like, you know, moral yes. and ethical and, you know, and whatever flag we put out, you know, draws that in, whatever bat signal we're doing draws that in. So on that front, yeah we're pretty like able, what was nice about that is we were actually able to sort of share that even though not together in the space with, you know, the pandemic in New York and stuff, but it was really nice to just be like, I know that all my members are happy right now for the most part. And then well, and that's, and it, and it speaks volumes where it's like, you know, my, my Facebook newsfeed and the major the overwhelming majority of our clients, like everyone's in good vibes right now. There's a, there's the renewed hope around like, can we just try and work towards getting back to, some sort of sense of unity, right? And caring about each other. And, and that ties back to music, which is just kind of like, and, and trying to make my gym about that place too, which is like, when you're here, this is the safe space that we're all good vibes. Like, we're just trying to have a good time. And so like, when it comes to music, I'm here right now and we're in this together, right? And if we're in the pit, like I'm watching out for you, you're watching out for me and people who've never been to a hardcore show or a metal show don't get it. They think it's about aggression and violence and it's not. Right. Well, yeah, I was gonna say it depends uh, on the show. It depends on the, the, yes, the but, era. But I mean, but like, for the overwhelming majority of people that are in a pit are not trying to hurt the other person. Then there's always yeah. that one asshole, and then everyone turns around, turns on that person, anyways. Right. So well, you you also end up being the older guy now who protects the others from that person. I like fucking. Sometimes I'm like, I am. I'm not only the old guy at the show. I realized yeah. last year I have been the old guy at the show yeah, for a long time. <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> Um, uh, I want to continue to be that guy. 
we're in this moment together, right? And like time stops and you were just there and it was the th it was a thing, right? And that is a moment in time. And that's what I love about shows. And, and as much as, and that's why I do gravitate towards heavier music, which is, you know, like I would love if I could do like a small club show right now, it'd be a local show, a local band, I'd go see Converge, right? Which is just like, I want to just like feel something. I just want to be here right now. And there's yeah. so much distractions in my life. And I'm thinking about financial insecurities about running a business in a pandemic. And I'm thinking about my boys. And I'm thinking about the political climate. And I'm thinking about every little thing. And I'm like, anything that can get me to be here right now and, and, and process all of the stress and anxiety of life, like, that's what I gravitate towards. So, like, I feel a sense of calm when I listen to metal and hardcore, post-hardcore, any, any, any offshoot genre. Like, it just, like, gets me to be like... I can just breathe. It's also, it's sort of the last unchecked point of catharsis for us of yeah. venting. Cause right now, you know, like it, it's so easy to say like, you can't watch this movie or that comedian or whatever anymore because you know, uh, whatever side of the, is it, is it politically incorrect or whatever? And like, I don't, you don't have to agree with everything somebody says, but people will judge you on that shit. But when it's time to go to like a punk show, they've already judged you yeah. <laughs> for being into it, right? Like unless yeah. it's like Green Day or Weezer or something, they've already judged you. So you just, you have your moment. Totally. Uh, you know, and it's, it, what I love about what you said, and it's one of the disappointments, I think, through through everything we've been, we've, we've gone through. Uh, Julian owns a gym, Rebirth Transformation Center out in Boston. So like, you know, again, another business that, uh, Massachusetts says, I know you guys just had a little bit of a rollback, but we're at least able to start opening up sooner than, than New York. Yes. Um, you know, it's a shame with everything that's gone on that it, it, it was so, it still was too, so much easier to choose a side than to try to get together. And I don't mean the George, George Floyd stuff. There was some straight up shit on that where I'm like, you have just clearly proven yourself. Yeah. somebody that I don't want to spend and best time in right now forever. You don't have the same core values. Right? The, yeah. That's, that's a, like, there's just so, so folks, when you say, when I'm like, yeah, we got to meet in the middle. Like if you're a racist or if you want to get a, in the way of gay marriage or reproductive rights, like yeah. uh, you don't have to believe in it, but you, if you are actively trying to stop or get in the way of it, yeah. we no longer have a middle ground. Uh, I guess unless you happen to be at the punk show and, at that moment we're I don't know whatever but we're engaging and we're not even gonna go down that road yeah, yeah it's it's just a split but again in that moment you're all one and it's like you remove like you might you know like it's it's just weird and it's a shame to me when I look on it that we couldn't again I, most of my friends are in the fitness field it seemed like we couldn't do more to fucking get in each other's ways in so many things where you know, people going anti-mask before knowing what a mandate was. Well, what if the gym next door, you're throwing all this fear shit, but what if your buddy's gym in another state like New York? And again, I'm not taking this personally. We didn't even know what our mandate was going to be, but I'm seeing things like, you're going to die if you train in a mask. There's no fucking way. You're going to die. And, but what if the, what if your buddy's gym is in a state where you have to, New York, we have to, there's no if, ands, or buts yeah, about it. It's a mandate. Yeah. And it's a mandate. And so we're going to do it. And so when you're preaching that to your handful of people, okay, but what if your members are actually like relying on you yes. to yeah. lead the way? And what if they're afraid? And what if some one of them gets sick? And I'm not fear mongering folks. This is just like when you own a business and you lead people, you have to think about these things. You can't just be black and white about these. Yeah. So there's like, legally, are we going to get shut down? Uh, what if, right? What if someone gets sick? And especially in the early days where we didn't have 
really a handle on what was everyone was still posting videos of them fucking lights all wiping everything like that was enough um and instead of being like support (laughs) gyms so instead of unitedly just saying you know fitness is important training can be done safely if you look through the start to the end of all of this um the healthier you are going in the better your chances are coming out and that's the part that like, if I were to say like uh, what, what really sort of I found heartbreaking, and this is a little bit more New York City specific though, because we've been directly targeted, is that they took something that was aimed at helping and because everybody had this image of breathing heavy, face to face, swinging kettlebells, high-fiving and chest bumping, no one realized like how safely we can maneuver this and we became an enemy. And if you tried to want to open and have the same rights as a manicurist, we were an enemy. If you wanted to, you know, you can't go and train at a gym for 45 minutes to an hour, but sit at a tattoo shop for an hour, face-to-face, mask-to-mask. Now, again, do those things, but, like, don't just say, like, because of fitness, because of sweat, because of exhale, right? Like, that shit drives me crazy, and I just wish, as a community and as an industry, we could have gotten together better to do something about it. And I'll say this, like I know you in Massachusetts, uh, one of my least favorite words to say, just, just always about, about to blow it as soon as it's coming out of my mouth. Uh, that's, that's what she said. Michael uh, Scott. Massachusetts, I know was like one of the first states to sort of like organize a little bit. And then New York came up and now New York's turning into the United States Fitness Coalition. But let, let, let's take a backtrack, like kind of like we did on Tina Morin's episode. So you got shut down. What were your thoughts and what was your plan? Let's, let's, let's take listeners through the, the okay, doing, yeah, how you uh, handled so, Rebirth. All right. So we are a small studio just under 2,000 square feet. That's and a giant studio to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, That's three uh, speakeasies. How about this? Uh, we're a correction, private fitness studio. Yeah. No, it's still small. I'm just busting yeah. your chops. Yeah, we do one-on-one and we do a small group personal training of max four. You know, four clients, one coach, right? Hybrid, like most people do uh the the writing was on the wall like we kept like hearing what's coming what's coming what's coming and i walked into a meeting on uh our team meeting on a monday and i said hey this is coming down the pike we need to be online by wednesday and we just at that time i had had uh there's a team it was six of us at the time and i said you know we have the systems in place we use uh, a trainerize uh, branded app. So we're exporting workout videos to our clients. We use precision nutrition. Zoom takes two seconds to set up. Uh, let's, let's get this up in place and I want to be go, ready to go by Wednesday. Wouldn't you know, the next day, Tuesday, the word came out and we were ready to go. And I think there was some really interesting contrast if you look at different industries, right? So around here, we were online. We didn't change anyone's price point, right? I had friends who ran gyms and we had discussions. And they're like, okay, I'm going to freeze everybody. And then we'll charge them online. And I was like, no, right. Our messaging from day one to our clients was always, you are here for coaching and anything that comes under that falls under that umbrella. You need, you need exercise outside of here, like workouts. We got you. You need nutrition. We got you. You need lifestyle and habit coaching. We got you. It's about the other 23 hours. And so the people that got that stuck with us and that was the overwhelming majority we had clients that were furloughed. We had clients that lost their jobs, um, small business owners that had to shut down too. So we had an initial 11% drop in revenue. Not terrible, 
not terrible at all. That's actually pretty amazing. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, and my model with the coaches is I still pay per head. And with our small groups, I have a kind of a sliding scale. So they get front loaded on the first person, second person, and then the studio makes up a little bit of the money on the back end. So a lot of other places have transitioned to, you know, um, payroll, right? Guaranteeing 30 hours for their trainers and paying maybe a little less, but it's consistent. So for me, it was kind of nice where I knew like revenue drops, there's a month lag and then payroll is going to drop in a month. Right. So like, so it's kind of, so it works out well. With that being said, um, yeah. So the contrast that we saw, like we were able to mobilize really quickly. And I know a lot of big businesses throw around words like being agile and whatnot, right? Like, okay. <clears throat> but really what had happened was the small studios around here mobilized really quick. They were able to pivot so fast while the large gyms, they just started firing everybody. Right. And then yeah. they couldn't get the system set up fast enough to get back online. So now we have large, big health clubs. So TSI, right? Boston sports clubs, shutting down gyms left and right, right? Filing for bankruptcy, all this stuff. And so a bunch of gyms, bigger gyms, big box gyms in our area, went out of business, right? Conversely, restaurants in this area, the larger chain restaurants already had curbside pickup. They already had online ordering. It was the smaller independent restaurants who have paper thin margins, they were trying to get all that stuff yeah. set up. It took the next restaurant right next to us and they're phenomenal. It took them a month to be able to even start doing takeout. It, it, it's, we have that here and it's like, I really feel for them because, you know, there were so many levels of even outdoor here. So one of the things that we could talk about this a little bit that I, I remember being jealous of, of Massachusetts is like, you had some baseline like the closing window at first was subtler. Like there was like a, a, a diminishing, you know, they started limiting and limiting as opposed to New York, which is basically you were just done. Yep. Um, we did a similar thing um, where it, we took about a week and a half to two weeks to be like, what's the product? What do we want to offer? And what I, I was getting tingly when you were saying how you didn't change and yet, you know, your rates um, and you, you were very upfront. I, I couldn't tell you like through strength faction and all the owners and coaches that we were talking to how people were like, well, it's online. It's gotta be cheaper. And it's like, no, your hour and your expertise is the same hour now. Yeah. Um, and if you you're paying set, 20 years of experience, yeah, you're not. And again, if you own a gym that like it became about the rack only, right. right. Or the treadmill only. Right. And you don't just be, you're not an open gym. You consider yourself a training gym, but that was big enough. Like, you know, your connection and messaging is, it's a good opportunity. I'm not saying you did anything wrong necessarily, but it's a good opportunity to like, why are they actually coming? You know? Yeah. Well, so, no, and this is a common discussion within fitness business groups around single modality businesses. Whew. I mean, yeah, like if you just have rowing machines or you just have bikes, people are renting your equipment. And then they tried yeah. to put it to boot campy bodyweight stuff. Okay, well, their price point will allow for that and some of the people will stay, but everything's always about perceived value. Yeah, we were very right. fortunate. There's so many, there's so many levels other than like our loyalty of our memberships and the yeah. team. And yeah. you know, we had just had enough time. Like, it's crazy when I think about now, you know, we were open nine months at shutdown and we're going to be coming up on eight, you know, uh, uh, before shutdown. And it's, we're coming up on eight within this shutdown to limited capacity. Like we should be, we should be closed. But we were small enough. We're like, you know, it's like, a, it's like when you pick a Mortal Kombat fighter, a street fighter, right? You have, you have the big, giant, strong guys that move slow. Yep. That's a lot of the bigger gyms and businesses, whatever the fitness field would be. And then you have like, you know, the Bruce Lee cats, 
the ninjas, those cats that are just smaller, you know, the Chun-Li's smaller, faster. And I think that allows us to do um, not only big, fast course corrections, but also to make micro adjustments without it seeming without it being a bigger noticed. deal. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so we, you know, we, we, the only thing we took a little bit extra time on is we, 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 we set up a PDF document with our Zoomy schedules and we created an at-home PDF that people can follow along if they needed extra training just for their own mental health. Um, but we pivoted strong and, you know, New York ended up being a weird spot where like literally if we did not sue the state, we would still be closed. Um, yeah. We just got so thrown under the bus as a problem that if there wasn't a class action lawsuit against Cuomo where he had to show why he was keeping us closed. And I'm going to reiterate this at every episode until the day I die. He had no episode, no, no data to show that gyms were problematic that they keep saying it's, there's none. It's all like, yeah, there's none. It's all prejudice, right? It's all prejudice. It's all per subjective perception yeah. based on how you, what you mentally close your eyes and think of a gym about. Uh, right. It's, it's just facts folks. I'm not even trying to sell it. It just is what it is. Um, but, you know, we were able to s smooth around and, you know, like, again, like we, there were some people that didn't want to go online. There were some people that moved out. There were some people that now with homeschooling or the size of their apartment, you know, living in New York or Brooklyn that didn't want to do online. So we lost, like, we probably threw out average somewhere around 20 to 30% hit the whole time. Yeah. Um, and now we've slowly been on the pickup. But one of the nice things that I, I knew we were going to have a rebuilding phase and a, a re-earning trust with new members. But it, it's like we, it was almost as if we literally had just opened the speakeasy day one, but we had a bigger family going in, yeah. you know, and, and I'm so grateful for it. Like, nobody can see this, but on the opposite side of this desk, well, you can't see it anyway, because this is a podcast, but we have a, a banner, a big banner that has speakeasy crew year one. It's every paying session through the whole year is on this banner. And those are the folks that kept us open. And now we have a new crew coming in. Um, what was your biggest struggle, say in the midst of it? Like, like say in the middle of it, because um, it did seem you guys had better, I would say there was better communication and handling at the beginning, but then it seemed like, even though you got open a lot earlier than us, I know there was a lot of frustrations on the way to reopening, which led to the, Massachusetts group and Frank and all those guys. Got yeah, we were so Frank. Frank's been wonderful. So if you guys don't know, um, Frank, Frank Nash. Nash. Yeah, he's been around for many, many years. Had Frank Nash training systems for many years in Worcester, Massachusetts, and then uh, rebranded to Stronger Personal Training, and then opened up a second place called Stronger Uprising. He's just the master of branding and social media. He's just a smart, smart dude, and he's a meathead like us too, which is kind of awesome, right? And a Star Wars um, nerd. Oh, he's, yeah, and he's just the best, and he cares so much. Um, and he, he mobilized us together. We created a little uh, independent fitness organization. We got some lobbyists, right? And, um, and we, we got together, and we shared everything, you know? Even um, there's a fitness studio that's, like, kind of my direct competition, like, three miles down the street in the next town over, just over town lines. And we'd, like, met once really quickly. And then through that organization, like, we got to know each other and I'm like, he's a good dude. Right. And like helping each other and he's sending his 21 point safety plan that he made and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like, so we really, really came together. 
I would say this it was interesting to see the difference afterwards. Many now over the course of the past weeks, when we start to think about like, okay, I think we're starting to roll back a little bit again and what's about to happen. And then the political stuff. And even just to this day, like or just a couple of days ago, someone just made a nasty comment about the governor and made a political comment. And I just wrote, Hey, can we just keep this group about supporting each other? We that's, there's plenty of that out there can we just help each other? Like, can we just keep it to that? Right. And it's so easy to get distracted and get thrown off course because we have so many opinions and it's, there's so much fear and, um, it's, it's just, it's a, and, and I'll say one of the hardest things, it's not even external because we did okay. As soon as we reopened, I was putting out ads like crazy. We made like professional testimonial videos for our online clients, um, hired outsourced it. And some guy did these interviews with our clients at home talking about how rebirth just like kept them going through the whole thing. And so we started rebuilding pretty quickly. Um, the hardest thing for me was keeping my team together. It's the same thing as like keeping the group at Massachusetts independent fitness organization, like yeah. everybody stay together is like keeping my team together. And like, I feel like I'm a master of building teams and communities. Anyone for the most part can build a good team. It's keeping a team together. Right. And managing, you know, a couple of them are, we're going down like mentally and emotionally through the whole thing. Right. Is everyone's taking, you know, yeah. like is everyone taking care of themselves and providing the right support. And then I got my own personal stuff, family stuff and all that. Um, going on through this whole thing and it's just like oh like can we stay together as a unified team um to deliver the product that we promise to our clients which is like you guys are the your health is the most important thing to us yeah right? has has any uh, anyone on your team left the field like not just so i had to let one of my coaches go oh uh, okay and it was and that was even worse i lost 16 percent of revenue for letting this coach go oof yeah. So to lose 11% and then to lose another 16 that had nothing to do with COVID. And it's hard because this coach had been with me for many, many years and it had been building for a long time. And, and so like hard, like the emotions are high and I didn't want to let this person go. It was such a bummer. Right. And I'm like, don't make me, don't make me be the bad guy. Right. And, and as a business owner, you shield your, you shield your clients from this stuff, right? Yeah. So then all of a sudden you look like the bad guy and I got to take it on the chin and I'm dying inside, right? Like, it, I'm it's like, tough. Uh, you know, uh, Tina, you, uh, I just started her name. So Tina, I know like one of Tina's coaches had left yeah. and took a bunch of people. Like, you know, it's funny. I heard a podcast and the, the coach was like, you know, I started talking to the people I'm training and a bunch of them left with me as if it was like, that's a good thing to do. And like, that's a business strategy. It's like, well, you know what? I'm going to have some words now. Look, I'm not an NDA guy. I, I would hope that my team doesn't leave with people, but like that shit's going to happen. But I also know a lot of people just sort of outright, this was a wake up call about, do I love what I'm doing? Yes. And also look like uncertain future of what we're doing. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's, we, we have to be prepared for rollbacks boston's taking a step back to some degree i know it hasn't super directly hit i know there's an impact on gyms but it's not as like in new york i know they're just going to close us it all depends on what phase you're in and whatnot right yeah like, and i think we're like, gonna i'm feeling my projection would be as of november 9th that sometime within the next two to six weeks we'll be shut down to some yeah to some massachusetts degree. just made 50 something million dollars available in grant money to small mm. businesses so I was like, out of nowhere, just now, like you're making 50 something million dollars, million dollars available. And then all of a sudden it was like, 
couple days later, we got a press conference saying this curfews now and some rollbacks and it's like, oh, okay. The writing's on the wall again, I think, right? Yeah. Like why is this money all of a sudden available? It's great like, that they, they have the grant. I know, and again, Tina, um, Tina had actually messaged me, like sent me the link to the ground. Like I'm not in Massachusetts, so I can't apply for it. New York is still some like, like helpless in that, you know, like there's, uh, uh, the problem I have is like they just keep slapping us yeah. for safety but there's no tickle. There's no support. There's just step. You know, it's like literally being like the fucking dude at the show that slips in the pit. And instead of like the state, who, the, the guy who tripped you on the slip that spilled the drink, trying to pick you back up, they just keep fucking pouring more like booze yeah. around you. So you can't get up. And that's always gross anyway, because the floors are gross at punk shows. And that's when it starts to feel this way. And, and I hate that I'm even like connected politically in that, but as a small business owner, there's a level of the day to day. Now I'm not even making this red and blue and I know there's aspects of that, but like in the day to day, like suddenly we're in places in business where when things are fine and there's no pandemics, like everyone's out of our way. But now it's like, they're literally like you have your set of keys and then they have their set of keys. And and I think this is, this was what I've been saying for a long time. um, Looking at the restaurant industry right? And how they got murdered. And, and same thing with like the um, event industry too, right? Like those were the two hardest hit. And then gyms are pretty close thereafter, right? Like there should be specific bailouts, industry specific, I guess is the best way to yes, say it. Yes, absolutely. Like, restaurants needed their own money. They shouldn't have been lumped in with the PPP, right? Like they were hit very different from a lot of other businesses, right? And this is where people, you know, like, again, and (laughs) whatever, we're just going to go down this road. Um, Yeah, like, I think most people are a little left-leaning or a little right-leaning. We agree more than we disagree. It's the fringe left and the fringe right, which, like, are the vocal minorities, which get everybody all riled up, right? And so I think my feelings on it are this, is that, like, when it came down to the PPP, right? Like, I'm I'm generally left-leaning because I put people over money right like i'm a self-made person i know what it's like to have to steal for food i know what it's like to have nowhere to live and have to live in some sort of government assisted living facility because i had no one would take me in right and so i built myself up to having a business with employees a family a mortgage and all these things so people say oh well are you a socialist? And I'm like, no, I'm not a fucking socialist. Like I work hard and I believe in, in making money. I go, but the difference is this is this pandemic was a perfect example of when that PPP money was made available. And here's the date I'm sitting here with my stack of papers. Like I'm ready to go. I got all my numbers. I got all the stuff. Oh, you're not ready to take my information. Okay. Well, when you're ready, I have it here. Can I please apply? A week goes by. Hey, I'm still waiting. I know there's been a week of this. Like I have my paperwork. Can I give it to you? They're like, no, no, we're not accepting it. And then by the time that they took my stuff, it was like, oh, that money is gone. Yeah. Right. So why should I put myself, my family, my clients and my friends all as a sacrifice for an economy that's about big corporations, right? And big banks. And and so that's the thing is that it really bothers me is that like you and I were, we're, we're, uh, we're focused on having maximal impact on the people of our lives right like so i call it micro influence yeah like dude if i died and my facebook account or instagram was shut down like no one fucking cares i'm not an influencer but i i have micro influence on the people in my lives i'm like daily it's making a positive ripple i always think of everything i do is 
I, I will say I've done some things I'm super not proud of in my life. And if I can up like sort of erase my stairs to hell by helping people yep. one little ripple at a time. And whether Absolutely. that's members of the speakeasy crew, you know, one of the things that I will go down and it's one of the heartbreaking things for me now is because I didn't get to teach many courses this year. And I, I don't know when that sort of comes back to normal, but when I look at a hundred or so courses that I've led now and add to the assisting and anybody that had a positive impact as a trainer, it's like 0.2% of that helps somebody one Q one something. I'm stoked on that. Yeah. You need to take that phone call. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, it's like, it, it's this. And, and I think what, what people are lost on, even in the boutique area of fitness, which you and I would fall into is look, I don't know what your grand scheme is for rebirth, but maybe you want a couple more. I'm not looking to franchise. I would like exactly two to three more of these places. I want one closer to my folks so that they can work out there safely. Um, and some of my high school buddies and that I've grown up with can come in. Uh, and now Kim and I are getting a getaway spot in Pennsylvania. And maybe at some point I have a small one there, but I have no interest in being a big gym. I have no interest in a 10,000 square foot facility. I think like your size 2000 or less is always going to be my sweet spot. Um, we're 675 right now for anybody that's trying to yeah, picture like a railroad apartment probably in Brooklyn. And that's, <laughs> that's our gym. Like it is actually, I shouldn't even say that. Like we just happen to be a storefront. Um, that that's our aspiration, right? As opposed to like, I'm going to build this brand and I'm going to sell it off or I want 10 of them or I want 20 of them. Now, if that's your thing, go for it. Yeah. But, you know, like this micro influence thing, it's like, we want to help our neighborhoods. When I think franchise, I think like a bigger thing. Like you're trying to make a buck on a big scale. I just want to help my neighborhood. I want to yeah. be the local record store. I want to be the local skate shop and I want to be the local fitness spot. But these are relationship built businesses that there's, a, there's going to be a trade-off. So if you're trying to like, and there's nothing wrong with trying to build a corporation, there's nothing wrong with if you want to do a thing where you're franchising, that's, that's a decision that you make, but there's going to be an inverse relationship with the amount of personal touch and care that you can put into the business yeah. at that time. Right. So it's like, so for me, I'm like, sure, if we have another one or two, like, I'd love to, I'm okay with selling it off. If the, you know, return is four times, whatever EBITDA, if we're going to get into, if we're going to get into financial stuff. So like yeah. the reality is, is that, sure. I'll make another one. I don't fucking care. But the, the, um, the thing is, uh, if that's your motive, which is okay, you can't do the relationship thing. It's not the same as like it, what we're providing. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, I agree. Right? It's so, like you know, open gym yeah. versus, you know, an appointment based personal training. It's just, they're both gyms. Yeah. It's very different. And you, all your tactics are going to be different in terms of marketing, scheduling, all of that. But, stuff. And those people that are attracted to those other brands, those bigger brands, like the orange series and things like that, like there's, and I'm not one of those people that hates. I'm like, no, I took, when, you know, I took my two managers out uh, last year. We were out in California for a seminar and I was like, have you guys gone to orange theory? Oh no, you haven't. Let's go. Right. Team building. And we went and did it. And afterwards I'm like, what'd you guys think? And they're both like, well, our programs are better and they don't focus on the strength progressive overload and blah, 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 blah. And I go, dude, that was a great product. Mrs. Johnson doesn't care. The, the instructor was awesome. The music was great. Like, sure. Right. But that's why they have a three month, uh, you know, life cycle of a client, right? Yeah. Like, so it is. And then they come here because then there's no personalized aspect. So like, let them go there and then come here right? Then we stand out more. And it's like, but you have to know, right? Like, and appreciate the good things that they have. There's a reason why they're doing, they've been doing what they're doing. So it's like, there's no reason to, to hate. It's just you, you have your own business model, right? And you stay true to that. 
and that's your that's your compass right that's why we make mission statements or i was just gonna say that's literally in every pivot we've done through this thing i i our our mission statement's literally on a window decal so like every time i'm like maybe we should try this and i look at it and i read it i'm like does that fall it's my two things go through my head three does that fall in line with our mission statement will i be happy long term doing it because i think people are making short-term adjustments for the long haul that they hate yeah. And you have to be realistic. Like if you don't have an online platform during a pandemic, you should really think about having an online get over yourself. But also if you're like, this is just not the type of training I want to do. You, you really should be thinking grander a bit and maybe getting out. Like I know some places are closing. Um, some of it makes total sense and it's not just for failure. It's just like, this is just not something I want to be involved with in this format anymore. Yeah. And then will it disrupt my, like, does it speak to my current membership? But if it speaks to what I want to do and it speaks to, the mission statement that's the shit that brought the original members in already yeah and that's my filter and the teams obviously i'm rolling the team in that but those are the three things that i think about and whether it was like how we did online we've been messing around with a little bit of open gym that nobody's really biting on and i'm, I'm sort of grateful for that yeah. and the retail sales stuff down now that we sell some gear um it all falls in line with providing access to educated fitness equipment and education um not in that order but yeah, yeah. Well, and every time I've made a decision and I start to get confused or get lost in what the direction should be, it's like being able to go back to that mission statement, right? And that's why it shouldn't be fudged. Like you should give some time to it, right? So like uh, ours is like um, helping our clients have a revolutionary change in their thinking by creating, facilitating deep, meaningful relationships. The avenue in which we use is fitness and nutrition. Awesome. Right, like deep, meaningful relationships. That's yeah, it, that's right? Awesome. And helping them change the way they view life, right? Like, oh shit, like it's really not that hard. But there's been plenty of times where, like, and thankfully, and I'm fully transparent about this. The so when six years ago, when I got some capital to open, and I went and got like a revolving line of credit or whatever from the bank, the first thing I purchased was a uh, a marketing company. Right. So they to handle my brand imaging and create, you know, uh, kind of marketing strategies. And they've been with me for all six years. And it was it's been it's been a hefty price tag. Right. But the reality is, is like they know me so well. So anytime I'm like, what do you think? I want to do this. And they're like, "Okay, that sounds like a really interesting idea. And I'm sure other gyms are doing that. But who are you? And I'm, like, I'm actually trying to find our mission statement because I'm like, shit, I don't remember what it is offhand. I can't read it with my glasses on. But yeah. I, I, so, yeah, I'll, let me I'll list mine because I think it'll be good interest. One of the things uh, one of the groups that I teach for strength faction, you know, we deal with a lot of coaches and a lot of owners. And one of the things this this current phase of it, uh, I'm not mentoring new members. I'm actually doing catch in, catch ups and check ins with with veterans of it. And one of the common themes is this mission st- is the avatar. And, you know, how, how do you create your, when you're talking about marketing, how do you create your avatar? Well, you can think in your head of who you like, but if you don't have the mission statement that you're trying to get them to like sort of align with, the, the two are not necessarily going to line up to be as, as powerful. So uh, Speakeasy's uh, mission statement is this. Speakeasy of strength exists to guide and inspire our neighbors to defy age and physical limitations through breath, movement, and strength. We deliver results supported by proven methods, technical proficiency, honest hearts, and open ears. We empower the Speakeasy crew to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Like, super simple. Right. Says who we are. 
everything I market, everything I sell, everything I post falls under that banner. So and, and the thing is, right? Like, so there's something that really stuck out to me. There's one line and which like, as you go to scale, right? Like, so I have done a build out and moved the gym and scaled and changed my business model. And there was things that I needed to, that I needed to be reminded of in my mission statement that I wrote from way before that was those things were an option to help me guide me and be my compass. So for you is, you know, what it say? Honest hearts and open ears, right? So when you scale, it's really hard to do that. And so you're like, oh, and you're hiring people. And like, that's what your employees, your coaches need to know, like, and be like, okay, this is who we are and this is what we do. And right? it's, it's, it's one of those people can come at you. Like, you know, we've been, we, we've had like, our, our team has stayed pretty together. We had one wonderful coach, Emily, who had, had come on just as we were starting to really grow, but then the pandemic hit. Yeah. And unfortunately it was like, if I, if I'm going to have to keep this team together and, and none of us are, uh, w2s right now we're, yeah. we're, we're trying to grow we were trying to grow into that pre-pandemic yeah. so that was the one where it's like okay i gotta really just sit for a moment with the, the the core team leading into this um and then we brought on a few people like one of our members got let go that had been training with me for years and i was just like a perfect opportunity like when are we she was like I just need to let you know i can't keep training i lost my job and my initial response was so when do you start teaching and you know and then a couple of other a couple of other people through gyms closing and, and stuff like that happened. So we've got this great team right now, but it's also, you know, we're still trying to maximize our hours, you know, and it's semi-private, you know, uh, formerly known as small group. The word group in New York city is such a, eh. yeah. so semi-private, uh, you know, took a hit because, you know, we didn't, we didn't take away anybody's memberships if they lost their jobs, but you know, like the income coming in. So suddenly like, I can't really, take a loss every session if there's not enough people there or enough paying people there. So we have to make those adjustments. Personal training. It's so funny thinking about how two years ago, everyone's like personal training's dead. Um, no, it's not. Guess what's alive and well now more than ever personal training. <laughs> so people who had an agenda said personal training was dead. And that's what this whole time for years, I've been like, uh, no, it's not. It will always be around. It just looks a little different. And fundamentally speaking, you should diversify your business, yeah. right? And so I was, so I've been a, a trainer. I got NASM certified in 2001. Um, and so, but I became a trainer 2000-ish, somewhere around there, right? And so like coming up on, yeah, I'll, come, I'll be coming up on 20 years. Anyways, point being is this, is that in 2008, I was working for um, Town Sports International. I was working for them. And I'm in like the downtown area. It was a financial area. And the market started tanking um, as the housing bubble burst. And something weird started happening. I started getting busier. The personal trainers in those gyms started to lose clients. They started to quit, right? Now, there was less clients for everybody, right? But it was also less competition. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing right now. And this is what I keep telling my coaches. And I'm like, my job is not to be relentlessly, you know, positive uh, to the point where it hurts us. You need the facts, but you need to also understand history, which is people who ran a bad business before the pandemic 
are going to be done. And what I mean by that is not that they didn't care. They want a good coach. If your margins were off, if you did, if you were running your business as a hobby and not a business, like this was the great equalizer. And we all know that competition was hefty, right? Like it was yeah. thick. And so this is going to, unfortunately, we don't want to see as an industry where we do want to care about other gym owners and we want as many people to get fit. But the reality is, is this is that like the economic repercussions of this are going to last for the next two years minimum. And so what's going to happen is this is that there's less clients for us to get, but there's also going to be less competition because people who yeah. ran a bad business are going to go out. And this is a game of the last man standing right I'll now. say it's not even from the New York perspective here. It's, it's not even the bad business. It's some of the things that made them successful are now the things that sure. anchor. So, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll use um, Catalyst Sport, you know, Kathy Dooley, Joe Boffy, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason Kavnick spot. Great spot, profitable since day one. Uh, it still hurts. They're, they're, they're online only. They've closed their space. And the thing was, one of the things that helped them so much was their space was like right in Midtown, super close to work. People could come in on the way. They could come and shower during lunch and they could yeah. go on the way home. That's gone because people are coming in. You know, Solace CrossFit. I mean, really successful, wonderful spot. Yeah. Gone. And that's any ju almost any jujitsu place that moderately stayed in line with the mandates and didn't yeah. curtain up gone. And it's just like this. So there's this weird element in the beginning. I was definitely, this is where I battle my own ego and interpretation fears and insecurities is like, I think a lot of people in the beginning in our head, we planned for three months. I was like, we're closing March, April, May, June. We'll be opening somehow in some capacity in June. Some people were like, it's still one week, two weeks, and it'll be fine. And then four weeks in, still hadn't transitioned online. And then for me, you're shooting yourself in the foot. And then when outdoor training in the city was officially legal, um, I think it was July 6th, you know, um, we had had the New York Fitness Coalition form. And when you talk about the political, like everyone was like King Cuomo and Trump and blah, blah, blah. And it's the Democrats and the libtards and the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you guys are gross. I don't even want to be on this lawsuit with you because like, I actually don't even want the name of the speakeasy to be on a document next to your name. Oh. Um, and, and I'm saying not everybody has to agree with me, but some of these people, it's like, you are just coming across, you're, you're trying so hard yes. to come across as super educated. Um, but just like most trainers are not experts in infectious disease, most of us are not true political analysts. So I'm going to roll on that. Like I want to follow yeah. my heart more than I'm going to know that. Uh, it was amazing during the pandemic how many infectious disease experts came up from kettlebell land. Well, yeah, right. Uh, Jesus. Uh, and then the same thing with political pundits. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, but, but, but now it's like we're in this spot where so many places are closing. And I, I, I agree with you. Like I, I, we're only starting to see the surface because now once you're open – you can't be evicted, but it becomes even harder to negotiate with the landlords that were already, by and large, completely horrible to the tenants. Right. And listeners, landlords need money. They have their bills. Like, this is part of their income structure. Yeah. But all of the weight has been put on the small business, fitness or otherwise. None of it, support-wise, has been put on. None of this has hit. So, like, yes, we can't get evicted, but we still owe them. And the speakeasy, we're up to date. We're good. We worked something small out, but we, we finished out our first year of our lease. Second year, we have a negotiation. We're in a good spot. We're going to have to hit that up again in January because I do expect we're going to be closed again. But most places, folks, like imagine your rent is in the city. It could be easily $10,000 a month. Yes. Easily. That's probably low. And you're closed 
seven months and then you get 33% capacity, yeah. right? And you can, they can't evict you yet, but when that moment comes up, say it's 10 months, you owe $100,000. Yeah. Where's that coming from when you've been like, lean, like on fumes for months? Well, and I think that was the problem that I had with like the stimulus check and things like that is just fundamentally speaking, sure, I get it. Anyone will take money. But the, re the reality is, it's like most people have rent or a mortgage. And unless there's some sort of forgiveness on that, like you're just handing that money over to them. Yeah, it's right. So and you and I have a mutual friend that has a gym up in Boston that's, you know, in um, in the downtown area where there's in an area where no one lives. Right. So they're a commuter gym. So like no one's coming in and think, you know, for the most part, thankfully they have clients that will still travel over there just to go support them. Right. But like, you know, trying to get minimal help from their, their landlords. Like, it's just like, it's, it's tough to watch because they're good people and they run a great business and their clients are well, but you can only ask so much for people. Right. Yeah. And so like first time around, I was like hard on the sleeve clients like, Hey, if you haven't lost your job, like we are a small team of professionals that this is our sole vocation and we have mortgages and we have spouses and we have kids, right? Like if you can stick with us on this, please, like it's hard to do that a second time around. You know, I think though the, the one message, most people were pretty good with it. So we had, we had started to have this, it was weird. Like February into March in the closing, we were, we were really starting to grow finally. Like the, the, the foundations we had built from June to then really were starting to pick up. And, you know, so we had some new members that, you know, were like, hey, like they hadn't even come in yet for their sessions. They're like, we're going to, I'm going to put on hold or I'll hit you, you know, when it's at or can you yeah. refund or whatever. And then we had some wonderful people be like, hey, you know, charge me for a bunch of sessions and I'll use them when I can. And for the most part, I actually didn't do that unless they were actively staying on training. Cause like what, what, what gets lost in that is now I owe you. Yes. Those sessions when I'm yeah, going to need money. That was our messaging. Like we're not doing handouts. Yeah. Right? Like we're not taking handouts. We're, we're providing a service. But there was a lot of like when the dust settles and I had to be very clear that as a new small business, the, we might not be here when the dust settles, there might be like an empty building. And I just changed the perspective. It wasn't like a begging moment, but it was like, yeah. here's the reality of this. Like, I'll say this for the speakeasy. There's no wealthy relative. There's no lawyer client. There's no hedge fund guy. Like, my folks lent me a little bit of money. I put a lot on a card and you know, we opened this place up with almost nothing, right? I already had been collecting gear over the years. We opened up with almost nothing and there was no safety net. We were a new business. We were lucky that we were profiting already, right? We were one of those lucky companies. We profited pretty quickly, right, right out the gate. Uh, not a ton, like, you know, but enough to like rent a few movies and get dinner, taking it. Right. But just being open and transparent about that, it, it meant a lot, I think, actually, to people to realize, like, not just us. And, and, and you know, one of the things that I always try to do is when, when, when something happens to another gym, like, um, stay by your trainers. Like, I did, I saw a lot of people doing, like, you know, like, big grabs for trying to get people. It's like, stay, if, I'll tell people, if you love your gym, stay there. But if you're in a negative relationship or thinking of breaking up, yeah. come see us. Right. And cause like, you know, like if I, you know, that grab and I want us to be successful, but that grab is also going to hurt somebody. And I'm just fucking too emo about that. But I do think that way. Like, you know, when Equinox got blasted in the beginning of the year for the, all that Trump stuff, like that the owner was a Trump supporter and a bunch of gyms went out and were like, ditch that Trump, you know? And I was like, you know what, maybe find a way to train with your trainer so that they don't lose all their income right now. But if you really need to leave, we're here. Yeah. That's it. 
so, as opposed to like crash and burn everyone involved in that industry because we are still trainers you know what i mean like there is a family aspect are we really grabbing with messaging like that trust me there's plenty of times that i want to do that stuff too like the big gym poses and i want to like jump on it's finding ways to get some messaging but like the, the fundamental thing and this goes back to a point that i was going to make a couple minutes ago was about diversifying your clientele base right so one of the things that benefited me in 2008 was I was a solely one-on-one -on -one personal trainer. And at that time I was charging, yeah, somewhere around $90 an hour, right? Which wasn't break the bank, but also wasn't nothing, right? And there is that, that commands, right? That type of money commands like that it's going to be a certain demographic that can sustain that consistently, right? Those clients that pay for that consistently ongoing are in a higher tax bracket and the people that, you know, put that on a credit card, those are people that want it, right? Yeah. So those are always an awesome client anyways, right? So they're like, they're stretching themselves and they find value. That's what we want, right? We want people that like want to like, you know, the, the value. There was fear when we moved gyms, uh, you know, two and a half years ago and I built out this location and it cost me a ton of money. And I'm like, all right, we're going to go to, we're going to also do a, a, a small group version. And, and it was a way to offer, cause we're in a blue collar neighborhood. So I was, I'm charging Boston prices in a suburb of Boston where we're 25% higher than the next closest price point. Yeah. Right. So I'm a big believer in terms of pricing being really important. It's like, okay, if the median in this area is X dollars, I don't want to be X plus five or X minus five, right? Like, no, cause that's not, it's, if, if it's X plus five, they're just going to go with X, right? So, but if you're significantly more, then people are going to be like, oh, like there's got to be something very different about this, right? And it's the high price point and the low price point wins. Hence why Equinox and Lifetime Athletics do really great. And so does uh, Planet Fitness. Everybody in the middle get, got crushed, right? Mm -hmm. in, that, in that price war. And so for us, it was like saying like, okay, this is opening up to a more financially risky demographic right yeah. so when everybody's like no no profitability comes with the small group and with scale and you know like personal training's dead because it clogs up your time and your schedule and all that kind of stuff i'm like we're keeping it just in case because those are the people and so that was the thing in 2008 it was the clients that that all their money were in their 401ks right in one spot and they lost their retirement right yeah. they got crushed but our wealthier clients have their money diversified right they have maybe some real estate maybe they have some stuff in money markets and some safe things and then they're also playing the market and they get the retirement they got a bunch of different stuff right so they were able to withstand that a little bit more and i firmly believe that everybody should have access to good fitness right no i'm not our avatar isn't based on a on um a salary range yeah but at some level like i i like high-end fitness Right. And I want to stay in business long term. And I will, and you know, like, and I, I want to have a comfortable life because money doesn't mean everything, but it gives you options. Yeah. I think we fall in, we fall in the moderate to high. I, I would say we're actually fairly moderate. We're not the highest. And I know that, but we're also not crazy high. So we do get feedback that like, Oh, that was high. I'm like, well, look, we're look ego moment. Find find a kettlebell instructor in, in, in Brooklyn with the experience that I have totally, teaching totally. kettlebell, just, you know, or whether it's, you know, the other stuff. 
Um, it's hard. We want to help everyone. And there's a level of ego involved where you're like, oh, you don't want to train with me? What the hell? But like the reality is, is that, and I would constantly have to coach my client, uh, my, my coaches to get their mindset around it because they would get bummed if someone like walked out and said it was too expensive. I was like, we're going to have that. Yeah. It, it actually is important for us to have that. The other point is, is like, I try not to make it so hot. Like, I don't want to just put myself in a certain demographic on any of my programs. So it's like, that's the struggle is finding what's that sweet spot. And I feel like we had it. What's interesting now, and this is something we could probably chat about is, you know, when you're getting new leads, people reaching out about signing up. One of the things that I've noticed coming out of this is it's been slow. So New York's been open just about like uh, nine weeks. Uh, we're at manda mandatory mass health surveys, 33% capacity. So at Speakeasy, we've created four stations. You basically have all your own gear at each station. Uh, listeners, if you have never been here, we're mostly like kettlebell, sandbags, Indian clubs, TRX, calisthenics, like bands. There's, there's no racks or anything to share other than our pull-up rig. Um, and we have two benches that if you want to, you know, bring to your station, you can actually move them to your station. Um, I fucking totally forgot where I was going on this thing. I was talking about our stations. Oh, so we have only three, one of our spots uh, after some trial and error and, you know, with online, we have, we'll, we'll have like online uh, semi-private happening where like there might be a member here and a member online. One of those four spots is a teacher station, no matter what now. So we only have three spots. So when I'm looking at my price point, I have to look at, um, uh, uh, you know, profit per square foot. Now, for everyone that shits on online training prior to this and hates it now, we always offered online coaching in some format. Zoom wasn't one of them, but it was like, boom, uh, big screen TV makes that feel like they're more in the room and easier to actually coach. I love it. So we have that. That also creates digital square footage for me that if somebody's not comfortable coming in or we take capacity, I still have money coming in at the same hour on that. Same thing with personal training. Like we can just move around and have a session that way. So I only have three spots. So how cheap should I make that? If you're going to go to like one of the best reviewed gyms in the neighborhood, one of the safest gyms in the neighborhood, one of the most experienced, I mean, we're new, but if you want to look at experience level of what we do, um, you know what, like those three spots can't be the cheapest. So lead generation coming in, people are loving the reviews, but because everyone's in a little bit of a COVID mindset, like some people's snapping up real. Yes. I'm not even doing a free trial right now. I'm like, I'll give you a discount. Yeah. I think fitness, fitness can learn something from the marketing world of too much free, in my yeah. opinion, um, versus discounts. Uh, but some of them are like, oh, that's too much. And I'm like, okay, sorry. Like, you know, I mean, that's all I can do right now. Um, now more than ever, people, the weird thing I'll say, fitness versus other struggling businesses, I have literally paid... I didn't know I was paying this at the time until it was time to pay the check. $40, uh, sorry, $30 um, for a single margarita. It was a large one, but for a single margarita. And I was like, holy shit, that's an upsell, right? I bought two of them because it was one for me and one for my wife. So I spent 60 bucks plus tip on two margaritas. I'm not proud of it, but you know what? I knew the money was going to a really yeah. struggling business. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I was okay with it. You know, I didn't go back to do that more often, but I was like, you know what? This place needs it. Fitness is a weird one. Certain businesses are a weird one where they're like, they want like the prices to actually go low, but it's like all of our overhead is the same or worse now because we're in debt. Yeah. And I wish more people would really see that. You know, like I, I saw some gross stuff like um, on nextdoor.com about people complaining about restaurants and, you know, yeah, things got more expensive. It's like, yeah. folks, 
everything's fewer people, same rent. Yeah. It's got to. Like, that's a so, ripple effect. So it's a weird time, and I've actually become very good at um, dealing with online trolls. Uh, interestingly enough, we've actually had a slew of anti-maskers commenting on our, on our advertisements. Weird, right? So we take videos of our clients and, and photos of our clients working out in action and everyone's got a mask on and whatnot. And we put up some ads and, and we start to see these weird posts coming on of like, you shouldn't be working out in masks. If you care about people's health, you wouldn't have people work out in masks, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm going to share with everybody. It's been killer. Like we'll get like people jumping on and like, you know, like, not berating the person, but like piggybacking on what I'm saying. I've had people have to take down their comments and stuff like that. And it really just goes something along like the lines of this. Wow. I can tell that you're really passionate about this subject enough to comment on a business that you've never met. Yeah. With that being said, we're operating with under state mandates and guidelines. And we're also a family run small independent business. So although you think you might be helping by commenting your expertise on this area. What you're actually doing is you're harming a small business. Now I'm going to assume that you're not anti-small business. I'm going to assume that you're pro-small business. So I feel that it's my, my job to educate you in this moment to let you know how harmful this is for small businesses, unless you're anti-small business. So with that being said, I'm going to go on that assumption that there was no harm intended and we really wish you the best. Stay safe. Awesome. And just like people eat that shit up. You should type that out for me and I'll put it in the oh, show notes. Oh, so good. It's, so it's good. an interesting thing too, because like everything is so divided. And, and one of the weird parts is we can't view social media and what other gyms are doing the same way because every state has their own mandates and things. So in New York, it's, it's mask up if someone's in the room, yep. whether it's another coach, whether it's however far away, you have to have a mask on. And one of the things that we have never done here other than when we did a little bit of like laying the new floors down, our windows are still open. Our, our, our big, I mean, it's one window. Our window is open. There's no hiding here. We haven't gotten curtains. We haven't gotten fitness blinds. It's funny. I wish I invested in fitness blinds because it would be like, we would have sold a lot of people doing yeah. shit. I'm not judging you. If you feel it's safe for your members and your teams at this point, do what you need to do to survive. I mean, there is, there is a privilege level that people have about these businesses being closed that uh, doesn't necessarily relate if literally it's your house and your food on the line for this. Um, but like I, I shot a toy video, like wearing a mask. Um, I got in these like, you know me, man, I'm a fucking Japanese toy guy. So uh, somebody that worked with Peter Mayhew, Abi Masahiro used to be, is, a, is like a, a, an actor content contact for people when they're doing press and stuff in Japan. And he was very close with Peter Mayhew, the actor that played Chewbacca. Yep. And he, had, he was also close with a, a toy company in Japan called Marmot. Marmot makes a lot of very cool um, uh, Godzilla toys, Ultramount toys, like yep. very collectible, really cool stuff. So anyway, I ended up getting these figures finally after like, you know, with COVID, like it took about like almost eight months for them to come in. And I posted a video. I had one of my coaches like, I'll shoot the video for you. And I'm wearing a mask because I have a client in the room. And one of my coaches is like a foot and a half away from me shooting the video. It's a friend from Jersey. Asked, uh, screen grabs me with the mask holding a toy and goes, why are you wearing a mask in this video? And I had to be like, well, A, why would you even yeah. need to ask? B, 
could we assume that there was a purpose that I wasn't scared in a gym by myself opening toys with the mask on or because they're from Japan somehow I thought the virus was on the box, right? Like, can we just not be dicks about it? Yeah. And, and more importantly, and like, I think I've had people call me out for being like afraid of this thing. It's like, I'm just respectful of this thing. Nice. And it's like, yeah. we're following a mandate, right? I have to have them. I've been on the news twice. I've been on Fox News and CBS to discuss this thing. Um, I'm not hiding behind any screens or blinds on my windows. Uh, I'm here. And the coach is a mom with kids and the client is a mom. And my members and my team are expecting me to follow mandates to keep everyone as safe as possible. So if I just start going like, look, and I also folks, I'm, I, I think you're less likely to get it than you are in my part of Brooklyn, at least, if you follow guidelines. I'm not paranoid. I don't wear my mask in the car alone. I don't wear it when I'm on the sidewalk alone. Like, I wear gaiters. If someone comes close, it goes up and it comes yeah, down. But, but it's, a weird, it's a weird discussion to even have. The, the fact that we've been talking about that when the reality is, it's like, who cares? Keep it's, and I'm like, but, but like, it's, if I were to fucking, why would I risk right. a mandate right. opening a fucking toy? Right? So, like... It, so I'm kind of, I feel like we're in this weird age bracket, right? And I tell people the same thing, like, uh, all the time. I'm like, you know, as, as being a, a guy in his, uh, you know, just about, uh, you know, 40 at some point soon. Um, I feel like there's this weird generational thing, right? Of people that are like late thirties up until like late forties, where it's like that mid generation where I'm like, listen, I am like, I am all about hearing your point of view. I hearing, uh, talking to people and learning and being, uh, socially aware and trying to, you know, and j just be respectful while also believe that people are really fucking sensitive, <laughs> right? Like I'm in the middle. I'm like, I also want to let, I like, you know, Anthony Jeselnik's my favorite comedian. Like he tells rape jokes and like, that's terrible, but also like, I don't know. I like offensive shit sometimes, but I also believe that we should listen to people and be sensitive around those things. And we can kind of do both. And this is where it's like, it's a mindset around, I don't know if it's an age range or where you're from or whatever it is. It's not like, I'm like, there's alarmists and there's deniers. And I'm like, we could respect the thing. while also like, I'm, I'm not going to stay in my house for three months. Right. Yeah. Like wow. I'm going to wear a mask. I'll wash my hands. I'll keep my distance and I'm going to go about my life and I'm going to go to restaurants and support them too. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to live in fear while also uh, I'm not going to deny that it's a real thing. Yeah, and the energy invested in shit, like to even take the time to do a screen grab. And the thing is, I wrote like a response and I actually posted it on Facebook for a moment, and then I deleted it because like people forget, like you can delete something. Um, yes, you can totally. But, uh, but the like, size you could ever do is write someone a letter or an email or thing and just delete it. Like, yeah, you know, so like I, you know, I wrote a response and, he, and, and, he, and I was like, you know, dude, like I'm bummed. Like I know we're friends, but like, and he, was, and he wrote back like, oh, I was just asking a question. I'm like, bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah. And yeah. another example is, is, you know, like, you know, at the election, like, look, we all voted for Biden. You can hate me. You don't need a train here. Whatever. I'm totally cool with that. I also have Republican friends. Like, I get it. I still love you. I'm not spreading hate. Even when I wrote Nazi punks fuck off officially, it wasn't at every Republican. It's just we got to be honest that there were a lot of fucking Nazis and white nationalists involved in this. You can't yeah. deny that. Like, if you were to go and poll any white nationalist fascist thing, so they would be like, yeah, that's my guy. Can I, can I interject something real quick? Go this, for it. At the beginning, I, I, I was thinking about this and the fact that we're circling back around this. Um, for anyone listening that wants to really get an understanding of why we have such an issue around race in this country, there's a book called White Fragility. Have you heard mm -hmm. of this book? Yeah. yeah. And 
don't even, I mean, yes, read the whole thing, but like legitimately in the first 10 pages, it like lays it out really quickly of why people get so heated around it is because most people think about racism as being overt, right? Being like, oh, there should be segregation. It's a lesser race than, like, no, 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 no. Most racism is very subtle, right? And it's insidious in a way that you, you, it's, you don't recognize that it's systemic and you don't, you don't recognize how you're being racist. So that way, when someone does something that actually is racist and it's subtly racist, they get really offended because they're making, a, they're, they're, they're judging it based on overt racism, right? So then they're yeah. like, I'm not racist. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, yet we, for us to help get past this, we have to look at our own place in racism. Where have I been racist in my life? And like, I have a, I have a black brother-in-law. I have many close friends to the point where it's like, and if, if you, if you're listening and you have, you have friends, a lot of people of color that are friends in your life, like the best thing you could do is not necessarily post up a black square the next time a police officer kills an unarmed person of color, call your friend and see how you can learn, right? How are you doing? I'm checking in on you. Right. You got you to like, put in the work. Yeah. Like, and sure. People throw around the, the term virtue signaling a lot and but like, what I've just learned is for the people in my life that matter, it's when something happens where it doesn't dramatically impact my life as a heterosexual white man, <laughs> middle class, like I'm going to reach out to them and be like, Hey, how can I support you? What do you need from me? The people that matter line that you said there is the important part. Cause here's the thing with social media is people forget that the posts aren't necessarily like you're usually when you post something, you're not hoping that all whatever 4,500 random friends are reading it. It's really for like, the, the, the 20 or so that you're closer with that you're, you know, you know, might be struggling a little bit. It, it's more for that, like your direct people that matter. Yes. And then it's the fucking randos usually that come oh. in. So like I got, you know, Ben, Ben was very excited about the election. My daughter was like through the moon. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my Ben was very excited. He just kept saying like, you know, the, the world seems different today. Also he's 11. I saw great that. news. I know where you're going with this. this it was, it was a beautiful day. <laughs> so I post the quote. I just wrote the world seems I know, I know, different I know today. Bam. Yeah. Some rando fitness guy that I've never met awesome. Awesome. posts a, 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 a titled card that says when one half of the country thinks that all of the problems went away because like one person, whatever, like douchey, douchey thing. So I go to the, I write the guy and I'm like, hey, just two things. One, my post doesn't say that. Two, you just tried to school an 11-year-old who was hopeful on a day. How do you feel about that? Yep. Um, and then a few of my friends started like, quit being a dick. You know, like, like kind of started at the guy. And then the guy tried to actually backpedal that he wasn't trying to say anything mean. I'm like, read your words. Right. Like, and know that like this was an 11-year-old kid, but because you just had a political bug up your ass, yep. you had to read way deeper into this post and then he tried to say like oh i thought you were commenting on my post i'm like dude i don't even fucking know you i you, you know this is where I've, I've stopped accepting the random like you swinging a kettlebell without me knowing you is not enough for me to friend you at this point yeah, yeah, yeah. um and it was disgusting but another friend actually who i know and i like is like you know the world is how you perceive it. I saw that one too. And I'm like, this is an 11 year old. Relax. It's an 11 year old. I'm quoting my son. I'm proud and happy for my son. This has nothing really to do with politics or it's how my son feels on a moment. 
Eat a bag of dicks, everybody that felt like they had a comment and had to make it as like a Democratic or a snowflake or a libtard, whatever. You got to look in the mirror, folks, because I don't do that to every other post that I see but it, for people it, that it, vote on the other way. It's an important, I mean, we could have a whole hour long conversation on ego, right? Um, in, it, in itself, but this is people thinking like they can't resist and they think they have something to share and that their, their opinion is important, right? And it's just like, or that they, they're sharing the thing that like they know more than you, right? And it's just like, okay, like, that's the problem with social media is that everyone's got an opinion and everyone, like you can scroll past, you know, like go to my Facebook page and I don't, I, I rarely block anyone unless they're really rude. Right. But like go to my page and it is just post after post of people arguing. I don't even, I don't get involved. I don't mediate. I'm like, I'm going to post up what I want. It's my page, my rules. But you see people just arguing, 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 yeah. arguing. And I'm like, I'm not going to get, I'm not getting sucked down into it, but it's amazing how many people can't, help themselves. Yeah. I posted a picture of Kamala Harris the other night and said, I think it's getting lost. And this was two nights ago. I said, I think it's getting lost on everybody that we're on the eve of about to have our first female vice president before that all blew up. But it was a couple, not to say that I was like, Oh, before everyone. But my point is this is no one was talking about that. And I just posted a picture. And I said, we're just going to appreciate this. Please. No disrespectful comments. I will erase them. My page, my rules. And a couple of people would come in and they'd be like, yeah, but and I'm like, you couldn't resist. Yeah. You couldn't help yourself. Somebody commented, somebody, oh, I wrote also like, you know, it was really, I wrote a post that it was really cool to like see just a lot of positivity in my feed today. Yeah. And some fucking dude that I don't know posted a vomit emoji and I, like, and then unfriended me. And I'm like, good, like, let that happen. <laughs> I, I, I'll say this on the, in, during the pandemic, one of the things, you know, a lot of people draw hot lines right or left and unfriend people and block whatever. Yeah. For me, it comes down to like how, hateful or negative is your feed yeah. and if it, it, it's literally just I, i'm not saying i wouldn't have well, like look if you're a racist i'm not having a drink with you but if if you're just posting non-stop negative stuff you know what if we meet in a bar or a restaurant one day like have a cup of coffee like that's one thing but i don't need to see your hate right. all the time your negativity all the time i just don't need it in my feed and quite frankly like i love facebook for the handful of friends that i keep in touch with that i don't get to see a lot I like seeing how my friends' businesses are doing. Not every business. I'm not in competition with anybody. I just want my friends to do well, how they're holding up. Um, Godzilla collector groups. Uh, Facebook is great. And I do love memories. I love Facebook memories, and I like celebrating birthdays. Um, I would be out of that if I didn't enjoy those or, you know, until the next new things. <laughs> and I notice, like, there's a big Massachusetts movement to go to parlor. Um, <laughs> which I don't know shit about. We don't need to talk don't about it. All my page and see the shitstorm about. I, I saw it. I saw it. I'm not gonna lie. I got my account. I saw it. I'm like, I'll get my account. I'll hold my name just to hold my name. Yeah. Um, but I, I I am looking forward to the day when there's just a a a, a, a more open, non-censored, but non-algorithm. Like yeah. I don't even you know there's certain elements of censorship that like if somebody's just posting bullshit, like they should be called on it. But like I don't love algorithms, and I think that's part of the problem of what we're being fed um let's ask we're gonna have to start wrapping up because we both have meetings to go to uh this went really fast uh julian yeah. as always um so now we don't talk on uh like this for years yeah dude it's crazy we check in folks you I, I i spoke about this on tina and i mentioned this on on charlie's episode you know the show's back officially i hope we realize now with four episodes in we're back like this isn't going away um this is just fun again um but there were bright spots through this of where you just check in on people and see how they're doing. And Julian's one of those cats. Like I'd shoot him a message. He'd shoot me a text, not long conversations, but just like, dude, you're all right. You know, like, and, uh, so it's great to catch up, 
I'm not going to lie. Like, so my, I was going to ask you like the hardest part of this for you, the hardest part for me on this is my stress level has been so high that I've been trying to not only take the steps in the moment, but take like, where do I, like, I've been trying to predict the future. Like I'm fucking Biff and back to the future too, with the almanac, the sports almanac. And what I realized is like, I'm just, I'm not in shape that I was. I've been remedying, remedying it, but I spent basically seven months putting life preservers on everybody else and not on my own. Um, because I did not want to see this dream die and I did not want, you know, I wanted to take care of my team and my friends and my family. And, uh, now it's about me. So I'll say this for me, the hardest part was having any mental energy to train, um, and to eat well. Like I, I will openly admit right now, like been changing that, um, election week, a little backslide, but that was the hardest part for me emotionally willing to make a commitment to the group here. Oh, dude. Um, what was the hardest part for you during this? Um, uh, it doesn't have to be something specific, but just an overall. No, I mean, like, so for me, having a three-year-old now, a two-year-old during the pandemic, a seven-year-old, um, my wife has a full-time job, like, trying to manage around that and everybody's needs and responsibilities while carrying around the fear of what was going to happen was really tough. Um, I got my... So my fitness before that wasn't great. Um, uh, the first kid, I could handle it. The second kid really got me. <laughs> so I, I got ripped in quarantine. So that was awesome for me. But um, <laughs> I will say this, some personal relationships really suffered. Right. So um, and yeah, and so that had an effect. So for me, it was like managing my outside stuff while in work. And, and, and I think, and I've been given this, um, you know, information for a long time, which was just like, you're going to build a business, but don't let that business take you out of the things that you love and negatively impact your life. Right. It's supposed to enhance. And, uh, and there's a, a a great business owner in this industry. Uh, his name's Pete Dupuy and, uh, he's the co-founder of Cressy sports performance. And he's a, he's a a great friend. And there's times where I tried to hire him as like a, you know, for business and I go out, you know, go out to Hudson and drive out and talk to him. And, and I'd say, Oh, how do my numbers look? How do these things? And he'd be like, listen, you need to focus on your family. Right. And I'd be like, shit, man, you're right. You're right. And, um, yeah. And I think that's the hard part about being a caretaker of other people, which is just like, it's very easy to let the things the get, you know, these gifts, like they take you away from the more important things in life. And, um, and so that's where I really fell short and I struggled on that. And there's some, there was some repercussions. Um, so I've always been really great at keeping my personal life separate from my business life, you know, without specifics. Like it's not about me, it's about them. Yeah. Uh, this was a really hard one for me. And uh, so, you know, just navigating my way through it. Um, you know, Tina, whose episode is out now is like, you know, she was just awesome. Just constantly checking in on the whole process and, you know, just having good friends. And, uh, and I will say this is that like, you know, for me, I'm very much like when you're struggling, reach out to see if you can help someone else out because right. Like it will take you out of yourself. Um, and I don't do really well when I'm so focused on myself, like how you're not acting the way I want you to act. You know, make me feel the way I want you to make me feel right. When everything's back about me, it's like life's suddenly not such an awesome place. And, um, and I'm thankful that a lot of the, the relationships that I put time in and harnessed have like come back to like people just trying to support me and, and fitness is just like this Avenue, uh, like that led me to people that were just really, really awesome people. And so, uh, for the people listening, um, you know, Fury and I, like uh, a bunch of years back, like we didn't even know each other. We just saw each other at, at better better and said hello. 
right? And I knew we like ran in some of the same circles, but it's like a matter of like saying like the power of just saying hello to someone. It, it, it's, I think if I got feedback as a presenter and it doesn't have to be just presenter only, I think it's because there's no, uh, you know, you mentioned ego earlier. I definitely had that in the early days. I felt competitive, especially in the early days of my entry into the kettlebell land. I'm very grateful the other groups I'm involved with didn't have that. Um, I, I, I was, but I was also a new trainer in a second career with my fucking literally my life and my family, my income on the line, trying to make this six figure to fucking four figure career change and, you know, in a dime. Um, and I've really tried to work it out. And I think one of the things that I've tried to be in the podcast and it's an original, you know, I mean, not that it's not original, but like, you know, what we've always, what I always try to present is like, what we do is important and none of us are better than the others and no specific initials, no level of success makes you a better coach or a better human. It just makes you better at an aspect potentially that we can all learn from. And I really try to approach everybody that way. Like I'm fucking grateful that I'm still sitting, uh, uh, look, I'm going to say this. And, and one of the things that this is, when, when, I, when I was on the news thing, and this is an ego thing, like one of the things that I'm so fucking grateful for is I'm having a conversation with a friend that I met through this field that I love in a business that took 10 years to put together to have my own space. We are still fucking here eight months during a pandemic and a shutdown in the hardest hit city with the last to fucking open. And not only am I doing that as a business person and as a trainer, but there's Star Wars toys and helmets directly behind me in skateboards. Like, folks, this is my fucking dream. Um, you know, Dan Daniel Salazar from Crank Brooklyn, when he first came here before the shutdown, we did a DVRT thing. And he was like, dude, it's like your head exploded on these walls. And it's my head and my heart exploded in this place. And why would I go to a place to perform better and try to power trip somebody. It's also why I don't have certain relationships with people that I do think are trying to like shine by like the bigger names. Like I'm, I'm fortunate for some of my friends that are very successful and have names, but I'm, I'm not gonna go like try to like sit at the cool kids table deliberately. I think I played that a little bit early on. Yeah. Uh, and that's part of the growth process, right? It's like going through high school again and learning like, you know, the, the politics of the, you know, the cafeteria chairs. Uh, yeah. And I'm super grateful for that and for you for being the same way. You know, um, you know, Evan, another, another Massachusetts area, uh, I'm going to murder your last name, Evan, Marcaterio. Am I pronouncing that? Yeah. No. <laughs> Evan, I love you. But another dude, like I, you know, like we, we met, like I performed better or like online or something, just buddies. And the same thing with some of the Godzilla friends, like David Eric Dopko, like we, he posts a lot of Godzilla toys and I know he'd been to Japan. Hey, tell me to go to Japan. So there's still so much good in this world. Um, and let's sort of like wrap this up on that. But yeah, I will say this, and this is a struggle from a friend whose gym closed years ago um, who got really into cycling. And I was like, well, why don't you get a gig at cycling? And he's like, well, I don't want to turn a second happy thing into an anchor. And I will say that that is part of what training started to feel to me. I always feel better when I lift. But during the pandemic for, for a while, and there'd be good gaps, you know, good, good sprints where I'm like training well, and then it dropped. I really had to focus on like, naps and sleep and reserving yeah, yeah, that yeah, mental yeah. energy more than I needed to swing or press a kettlebell. Yeah. I probably, I took that too far. I'll admit it, but I was just exhausted. Um, anyway, but look, we're fucking here now. We got each other. Awesome. Listeners. Uh, look, some of you are like one or both of these guys is full of shit, but I'm going to bet more of you are like, Oh, it was just so fucking nice to hear. I'm not saying that from a point of ego, but it's like we, people aren't open enough to just say like, you know, especially on social media, like, hey, we're fucking struggling. Yeah. You know, like, we're struggling. This has been a struggle. I have not gained COVID-15. 
you know what? I probably gained COVID 25. You know what? I can still touch my toes. I still move pretty fucking well and I'm adapting and I'm working on it. I also had a high blood pressure that I trained myself lower out of it. But you know what? We lived in a, we're, we are still living in a science faction movie. Yeah. Right. This is uncharted territory. So I'm going to let myself off the hook a little bit and make the adjustments I need in V just like if a, if a new member came in the room and it's like, I need to change something in my life. But we also have to have realistic expectations and plans on that. Um, so hopefully if you're like, fuck man, I've been really unhappy and I haven't like that imposter syndrome is not imposter syndrome. That's the reality where we're living in and, uh, let us know how we can help with that. So Julian, I love you, brother. Where can people, uh, find out more about you? So I'm on, uh, I'm on the Facebook and the Instagram. Um, you just search Julian Cardus, uh, and you'll find me. Our studio, though, if you're interested in learning about kind of like our model or anything like that, it's, um, you know, Facebook or Instagram uh, backslash um, backslash rebirth transformation dot com. So it's, uh, yeah, we're, you know, we we're about people first and community and, and, and all that um, while, you know, incorporating motivation science and habit change science and, and all of the things. So it's uh, I'd love to help anyone else out. Um, I definitely do some. Um, uh some some coaching and some mentoring and help a few helping a few gyms open even during this time i've opened i don't know uh seven eight different gyms wow. in my life right so if anybody needs help and they want to they want to focus on communities that's kind of and building teams those are my two those are my two jams i've been doing it for a very long time Oh, uh, I'm going to have to mask up in a minute. Coach Mal's coming in. Uh, dude, thank you so much. All that info will be on the, um, will be on the web page and uh, on the web page. It'll be in the show notes. Okay. Julian, uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, it was great chatting with you. We'll have to do this more often, uh, not necessarily just for the podcast. And because I've forgotten to, be, to do this, can you tell the listeners to die mighty? Die mighty. <laughs> all right hey man it was great chatting uh listeners stay tuned for the next episode it's going to be kevin godfrey from trusted safe and fitness safe safe the dude who's basically been our liaison for the fitness industry in new york state working with the department of health um with uh if owners if you're like how do i actually keep this shit clean clean hmm what's the department of health looking for what your state government might be looking for Stay tuned for the next episode as well. Later, brother. The Coach Fury podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by The FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc for band, tour, music, and merch info. Artwork created by Glenn Gurrieta. Visit glengurrieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or follow him on Instagram at glengurrieta. Voice over by Laura Palmer. <laughs>